We all start out as students and journey makers in what once seemed like an impossible dream, knowing that if you don't enjoy the journey and only the destination, you will have done life a disservice. This applies to everything in life. Never give up. Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and today I am here with Ruben. Ruben grew up in Sweden and made his way over to the U.S. after publishing the world's largest music website at the age of 18, garnering 30 million unique visitors in five years before getting acquired by Hollywood.com. Since 1996, Ruben has been immersed in the evolution of the World Wide Web, building recognizable brands with loyal audiences. His already successful career in the entertainment industry led to studying at the New York Film Academy and music business at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood. He then went on to work as a concert video editor for Live Nation and helmed several video and post-production departments of major online publications such as MTV, VH1, Fuse, Celeb TV, and Hollywire. In 2013, he left the entertainment business and began focusing on his childhood dream, of becoming an airline pilot. With only a private pilot's license and 125 hours of total time to his name, Ruben acquired all of the necessary ratings and became a flight instructor until he achieved 1,500 hours in two years and two months. In 2015, Compass Airlines, a regional airline based out of LA, was the first airline who took a chance on him. And within 15 months, he was upgraded to the left seat of the Embraer E-175. After being a captain there for three years, he took a job as a captain flying the Embraer E-135 for JSX. Then, seven months later, on a bright Saturday morning, he received an interview invite from a major airline. Despite loving his job at JSX and being home-based in Las Vegas, he couldn't say no to the job offer. Nevertheless, before he knew it, COVID entered the picture and Ruben was furloughed, just shy of completing his 200th hour on the Airbus A320, A321, based out of LAX. Thank you so much for being here, Ruben. I'm so happy to be here. It's 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 awesome. I, I don't do Zoom. I, I've, <laughs> for some reason, I've just never been one of those... Because I know everyone that you know got got affected by COVID are now working from home, so everyone's meeting and, and doing their their Zoom things. But I I just never had had a chance to do it, so um, it's cool that I'm getting to do it with you. Congratulations! Uh, I, you're <laughs> making me feel so comfortable. So thanks. Congratulations! You, I've broken you. your Zoom Zoom cherry. <laughs> you have, you have. It felt good. Especially after that amazing bio, you just like, I'm like, who is she talking about? Wait, that sounds like a guy I know, but wow, she really knows how to like, just talk me up. I'm like, I, I almost felt like you were like, when you stopped talking about me, I was like, go on. No, keep going. Like, go on, Please. keep going. More and more. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. So I've known Ruben for 11 years. Oh my God, at least. 11 yeah. years and yes. I've known Ruben uh, before airline Ruben and then yes. post airline Ruben. So yes. I've seen yes. you go through, I, I hate the entertainment industry. I love the entertainment industry. I hate it. I'm going to fly planes. And then yeah. now you're here. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like, you know, we, we, in a way you and I, along with, you know, some mutual friends, we grew up together in Los Angeles 
as we were making it, as we were, you know, becoming what we are today, like hugely successful. I mean, just look at you, what you're doing. I mean, you are a jack of all trades and I could not be more proud of you. So uh, yeah, it, it was, it was fun. I mean, we shot, we did some pretty cool stuff together. We did. We, we did. did. Yeah. We that did. stuff is still on YouTube, by the way, like 200,000 views here, 300,000 <laughs> views there. So yeah, we just left a cool, cool little legacy. Yeah. Just FYI, Ruben mm -hmm. and I worked on this web series back in 2009, 2010, and it Something became like that, yeah. really successful very fast. And if we just stuck to it, we probably would have had a TV show. <laughs> it was <coughs> yeah, called yeah, Fatality. We, <laughs> yeah, we would have, we would have literally, I mean, the moment that we were parodied by South Park, you know, remember <laughs> that was, I was like, yeah, we should have a show on, on Netflix right now. Yes, at we, least we yeah. definitely would have. But yes. alas, here we are. You're a pilot. Here we are. Yes. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. But hey, look, we're both smiling and we're having a I good know. time, and that's all that matters. Exactly. That's all that matters. Exactly. Yes. So, talk about that excerpt that you read at the very beginning from your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud to say that the the success that I have achieved, um, whether you want to call it that or not, but the, 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 because I mean, I guess we're all our own worst critics, but the success that I have achieved with my life up until this point, I'm proud to say that I was able to do it with very little help from, I guess, uh, you know, monetary help from parents or from, you know, it, 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 everything was achieved by myself through just hard work, starting from the bottom and just working my way up. The harder you work and the, 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 the more of the struggles that you have, the more of the failures that you have, um, the more of the times you feel really down, like you're doubting yourself. The moment that you eventually get out of that rut and you succeed at something you spent such a long time working for the reward that it does to your life, to your soul, to your aura, to everything you stand for is so powerful because you can say, I did this and I did not have to do anything unethical. I did not have to backstab anybody. I did not have to cheat. I did not have to steal it. It is, I, I am a, a a true example of somebody that came to the U.S. with a dream, um, clearly the American dream. And, and I can tell my friends that, hey, when you come to America, it's not about whether, you know, if you want to make a million dollars or not. It's if you want to be successful, you can. It's a matter of how hard do you want it? As long as you put the time and the effort, it's a matter of time, not a matter of if. Um, so that quote, was literally that it was like, I just spent, you know, I, I just gave you a whole essay about what that means, but it's just very, very important that whoever wants to do something with their life. Like right now I'm, I'm on my third career. Um, proudly. So it's not like, Oh, you know, I failed in one and I'm trying another one. No, no, no. no I, I, you left I, yeah, that I other like, career at yeah, the height of it. Exactly. So, because, and that's, that's the person that I am. It's like, if I ever get to a point where I've gotten to the highest part that I can get, I will say, Maybe I should try something else. Maybe I have more dreams that I want to accomplish. So it, it's all about drive. It's all about 
motivation. It's all about believing in yourself. It's all about saying, yes, I can do it against all odds. And it is incredible the power that us as human beings have when we say that to ourselves. A lot of people just find themselves down all the time and, and they're always looking for handouts. They, they're just waiting and expecting somebody to do something for them. Oh, when is my break going to come? It's like, go out and create that break for you. Go out and you know wake up one hour before everyone else. Go to sleep one hour after everyone else goes to sleep. And in America, trust me, it's just a matter of time before you make it. it, it I mean, it, I'm a living proof of that. And I am nobody. I, 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 I did not grow up privileged. I did not grow up with a lot of money. My parents weren't written nothing. I decided to do this for myself and it was nothing but hard work. I love it. And Ruben is, you know, has been very successful in all of his careers. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your I first mean, career. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Just, My, well, what did you do that first? I, I, I was, I just had this Britney Spears website, man. Like I was like, <laughs> I was 18 years old and there was this, this, this girl on MTV, my age, dressing up really provocatively. And I was like, wow, she's hot. I'm just going to create a website about her and take it from there. <laughs> so, so Ruben created the first fan website and it was, yeah, it was world of Britain.com. Yeah. And, and, and then before I knew it, very it's successful. Like, yeah. And before I knew it, it was literally the largest, biggest, like artist website in the world before social media even existed to the point where like Britney's people were like, uh, how come his articles are ending up in the news and not ours from the official website. So eventually we got together and we started working together. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, so Ruben is somebody, uh, if I had to pick, you know, any one of my friends who was one of the hardest workers, he is, if not oh, at the you. very top of that list, because thank I have you. seen him time and again, work his butt off trying to succeed. And he's just a hustler, you know, and you got to be a yeah. hustler to do the things that we want to do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, no, you, you, you really have to be a hustler. And, 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 and in order to be able to really, I mean, uh, the definition of a hustler to me is somebody that obviously works hard and, and, and never gives up. But in order to really understand where you stand, you have to have failed many, many times and have mm -hmm. been okay with that, you know, to the point where you reach your rock bottom and, and you're about to give up and go back to Sweden or wherever you came from and you figure out a way to get yourself out of the rut, it, it gives you perspective. So. so talk about your aviation journey. Right. You had this dream of becoming a pilot. Your third grade. Since I, was, since I was like 12. Yeah. <laughs> since I was like 12. Um, you know, I was a typical guy that would just look out the window, look at airplanes um, flying above me. And I was like, I wonder where they're going. I wonder, you know, what plane that is. I wonder what airline that is. And it's like, you just see like a white strike across the sky. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I mean, they're way up there. I wonder what the world looks like from above. Yeah. And, um, you know, I... Grew up in Sweden, but uh, we were expats for about four years. So I was fortunate enough to spend uh, three years in Mexico City 
and one year in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And while I lived there, um, my parents put me at this, I went to these like British and American international schools and I met some friends there whose parents were airline captains. And they had this, my friend Miguel, who I actually give all the credit for getting me into aviation. He was playing this thing called Microsoft Flight Simulator. Back when you played it off the MS-DOS prompt before Windows was even a thing. Him and I would just go on the internet and this was like 1994 and we would trade little aircraft models that we would pl- that we would play in the simulation. And then his dad would give me the, 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 you know, the, the navigation charts and the approach plates and long story short, I was, you know, we were doing flights from, um, from Mexico city to Munich on the computer. And my brother is like, Hey, uh, I need to use the computer to, uh, do my homework. <laughs> and I'm like, cause back in the mid nineties, having one computer was like, Oh my God, you have a computer at home. Like they were having a laptop or multiple computer was like, not even a thing. So I was like, no, you're not going to do your homework. I'm flying in real time from Mexico city to Munich in the computer. And he goes like, what are you shooting anyone down? Are you, what's, what's the point of the game? I'm like, it's on autopilot. It's flying itself across the ocean. And I'm going to wake up in eight hours and I'm going to land. And my brother just looks at me like I need a trip to the mental hospital or something like that. When I moved to the U.S., I, you know, I picked up a private pilot license, started flying out of Santa Monica Airport. Yeah, that was when I was working in the entertainment industry. I was taking you, you up, yes. you up flying. Remember when they shut down the 405 and we did yes. that? I think that video is still up there somewhere. Carmageddon. It was called Carmageddon. Carmageddon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, for like maybe, I don't know five years or so i was I, I was just a private pilot and i was just you know taking my friends up like you you know up flying the reason why i chose to go to the new york film academy and study film instead of aviation was because when i was going to go to college and when i was going to study aviation that's right when 9-11 happened there was just no way i mean everyone was getting furloughed left and right they shut down the airspace system for like three days and it took a while for just the airline industry to recover from that so i was like nope uh, plan B film, creative stuff and, and whatnot. So anyway, 2012 comes along and I saw like an article somewhere like, yeah, Boeing predicts the need for 250,000 pilots worldwide in the next five years or the next 10 years, the next 15 years. And I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's coming back. So I, I started researching and it's like, Hey, maybe it's time for me to revisit that dream. I think I went to bed on a Sunday, woke up on a Monday. Maybe it was a Tuesday. And I was like, all right, I'm going to be an airline pilot. And you just, and, you just dropped and everything and you said it. I just, just dropped everything. I just, I, I, had a, I had a friend of mine who I was kind of uh, doing this with. And he was moving to New York anyway. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? This is perfect. So little by little, I just started facing myself out of the industry. And I had enough money uh, set aside to just basically pay for all of my ratings and, and yeah, and start flight instructing. And before I knew it, got hired by my first airline, upgraded to captain, flying pretty much all over the United States, Canada, Mexico. Plane that I flew had it was a uh, you know your your average jet uh, about eighty passengers, and that was with Compass yeah, Airlines. Just eighty passengers, you know, average jet. 
Well, the one that I was flying <laughs> now before I got furloughed was like 200. So it's like, you, you, you it's a huge difference because everyone dreams of eventually getting to like the big ones where you're flying from, you know, from LA to Singapore and it's right. you're like 350 passengers in the back. The airline industry is very cyclical. It's kind of like the entertainment industry. Every two years, a company rises, a company falls. Uh, Compass at the time was falling and I decided to go and fly for JSX, who's a really great company, by the way, they, they're, they're, they're still out there, jsx.com, um, operated of Burbank, Las Vegas. Um, so I was a direct entry captain there with them. And then, yeah, before I knew it, my, my dream airline, literally, like at this point, I had given up. I was like, okay, if the call has not come by now with my resume and the amount of flying that I've done and the amount of experience that I have as a captain, if the call has not come yet, it's not going to come. Because I was seeing all my friends at Compass getting called by this airline, getting called by that airline. Oh, I'm going to Delta. Oh, I'm going to United. Oh, I'm going to America. And it's like, I'm still at Compass. Hi. <laughs> and uh, and and I, but then I was like, you know, because it, it's it takes it, it it's like a the chances of of me having gotten hired the way I did, two percent, three percent, because my 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 airline. Um, they hired mostly directly from the military oh, and wow. directly from, from regionals that they own. So I was one of the very few that was hired off the street. As a matter of fact, my airline hired about a thousand people in 2019. And I was one of 47 that was hired like off the street. So the, the, like, it was like, I was like, what is going on? At first, when I saw it, I thought it was a joke. I thought my friend was sending me like a, 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 you know, a spoof email when, when the interview invite came and, uh, and yeah, it was a Saturday morning and, and I'm like, I have to kind of, am I still dreaming? Am I still awake? And like, am I in some kind of a twilight zone? It was one of those moments where like, you know, you know, that they want you and you getting the job or not getting the job at this point is up to you. And your entire career just flashes before your eyes and you're like, okay, I, I'm I, the same kind of height that I achieved in my previous career is about to present itself now, but now that my previous career has become a job and this has now become a career because I'm going to stay here for, you know, another 30 years until I retire. It was insane. The, the whole process, um, the way I was welcomed, the, the interview, the, the letter that I received with the, with the offer, I was in cloud nine. They told us during, you know, training, oh yeah, you guys are going to have, you know, all these thousands and thousands of pilots below you. You guys are going to be so senior. You guys are going to be upgrade, you know, again, upgrade in two or three years. You guys are going to be on the Dreamliner in four if you want to, which was true. It was, it was true. And, and granted, when you get there, you're making 250, $300,000 a year and you're working half of the month. So, you can imagine how that feels like because you you now you don't have to prove yourself anymore. You, you've made it. And then, of course, COVID happens a month after. It's crazy. It's like I'm going from we, we had this this welcome gala dinner where, you know, my wife has flown in. She's given, you know, jewelry with, you know, with the emblem of the airline, they're giving us like a five course meal with lobster and, and filet mignon. And there's like all of the chief pilots come in just for that day. 
to meet you and, and, and you, you get to, to meet with the head of the company and, you know, shaking your hand in front of a camera and giving you're, you're getting your wings. And it's like, you're, you're literally like, made it, it. It, it, it is, it is the equivalent of, of, it's hard to, to, to make this comparison, but it is the equivalent of going to the Oscars for, for, for my industry, because there is nothing higher. It's like you've, you, you are given a pair of wings that signify that you are now a pilot for a historical major airline. And it, there is a prestige that comes with that, that I humbly appreciate and that I, Till this day, I, I mean, I, it's the the amount of of pride that I have for having achieved that. Even if I would never fly for them again, is is enough for me to say I made it. So, you go from all that to then little by little, you start going through training and you start hearing the news, and you start you turn the TV in the morning, and it's like this catastrophic thing just happened. You turn the TV in the evening and it's just another thing. And it was like these, I felt like every day for like several weeks, it, you just saw how everything just evolved from like 23 cases to now it becoming a pandemic and people started to die. And, uh, and, and you start kind of learning how people are dying, which is just unbelievably heartbreaking. And, and then you're thinking, I'm in a training center with 500 people that are there, employees, pilots, flight attendants, at any given time, nobody's wearing a mask. We're still all learning about this. And as this is happening, everything around me is shutting down. So my, my sim partner, I remember this this vividly, and sim partner means the 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 guy that I'm basically doing the training with, because uh, they pair you up in twos. He's like, "All right, I'm a uh, I'm gonna go cut my hair. Uh, I need I need a haircut. Um, I'll see you back at the hotel." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And I was like looking at my hair. I was like, "Yeah, I should probably I should probably get a haircut soon." And uh, I'm like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get a haircut tomorrow." I would get a haircut tomorrow. Like I, I go to the same place he went next day and it had already shut down. All the gyms had shut down, all the shops had shut down, the barbershops, everything. And I was like, the restaurants had shut down. We had just spent a really nice dinner with two other pilots and everything was shut down. As a professional, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hard. And especially as somebody who's in love with movies. Like it's hard not to think, am I in a movie? Yeah. What, what is happening here? This is like, I, I can't, I can't remember the last time this happened. I mean, <laughs> there know, was like, no and, time and, and this there happened. There wasn't. So, so, so another three weeks went by and I started making jokes about my hair. Cause I, if you would put a picture of, of Wayne Newton in Vegas, I, I could have been a sidekick because my hair was literally like a copy <laughs> of Wayne of Wayne Newton's hair. Like it was that bad. It was like, it, it was like fifties, sixties, seventies. I can't tell what area you're from time machine. Hello. 
So, um, yeah, I, I went without being able to, to cut my hair for months. It's like it everyone. Was just, it, it was like, it was just crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know like everyone was just experiencing me, but I was, I was showing up at a training center right? where 99.9% of the people are like, you know, military people with like, you know, they all, you know, dress proudly. They have perfect haircuts and everyone's, and I'm like, it's like, I was like Chad from Venice beach, you know, with my <laughs> hair. Like I, I was, I was trying my best to just make it like, look, uh, I'll now look like, like the fonts. So, um, no, but they understood. And, uh, and all of this, while this was happening and I was thinking, all right, I have three days that I can go home and see my wife. But what if they lock down the country or the airspace system and they shut down the airplanes and I can't go back to training? Now I lose my sim partner. Now I have to get delayed and I didn't want my training to get delayed. So I spent an entire month, you know, in another state, in another city, alone, in a hotel room. And then suddenly I go back to the hotel room and it's like, wow. It's like, they haven't made this room in like three days. Cause they give us like a, a suite with a kitchenette. And it's like, yeah, I should, I should probably, I should probably work on my, on my dishes. And, 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 and I, and I called down the, uh, to the lobby. It was like, Hey, um, is your, you know, your housekeeping you cleaning anything here? He's like, due to the fact that, uh, COVID-19 our occupancy has decreased by 95% and we have had to fire our entire staff. <gasps> and as a matter of fact, I'm the only one left here in the lobby to take care of the people that are checking in. So if you need me, if you need your room to be done, I'm going to have to do it for you. Wow. And that's when it's, and that's when it, it like, it hit me. I'm, I'm in, I'm in a professional environment in a very respectable hotel chain. And they're telling me that they can't clean my room. And they don't know when they're going to be able to clean my room. I can't get new sheets. I can't get new towels. I can't get nothing. And, and it, it's, it's starting to like, it's really starting to like, wow, this is, this is for real. Like this is serious. Going to class every day, going into the simulators, going into the, the, the trainers and going like, is this going to be the day when someone's going to call me and say, we're sending you back home because of COVID because of the pandemic, everything's getting shut down. So. And this luckily, was around what, what months? This is around, um, this was around, March and April. It was right when right when everything it, changed. It, it, it was it was like when when everything <clears throat> just came to a screeching halt. When everybody was trying to figure out what this was, when when nobody knew enough. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. We did not know back then what we know now. And and still no masks, no temperature checks. You just didn't know like am I going to get it today? And it, it's almost like okay, wait, I just sneezed. Wait, I, I woke up with a dry cough. Am I going to die? Like, you know, it's like, it, it, you don't know what that is because you're not used to it. Everyone says, oh, it's like a, it starts like a common cold. So naturally you wake up sneezing, you wake up with a cold or with a cough and you automatically think, did I get it? Ironically, I, I didn't get it until about two months ago. Um, I didn't get it back then, but I have both my wife and I, got COVID and we went, we both went through it. She actually had to go to the ER. 
Um, oh I had 103 degree fever and, and we both just pushed through it. And, uh, it, it was just a matter she of She went to the ER? Yeah. Cause of, uh, chest pains and, uh, difficulty breathing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And luckily, um, they told her that, uh, she, she had no pneumonia. It was just her chest that was very inflammated. Um, they did all these different kinds of tests on her and, and luckily it was just a scare, but still, I mean, when you can't, when you, when you have chest pains and you have difficulty breathing and it's, it's, it's a loved one, what do you do? Yeah. I, I am rushing you to the ER right now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's just insane. The, how much the world changed, how much the travel industry changed, how much, um, what we used to take for granted changed. And I'm talking like standard stuff, you yeah. know, just the ability to go out and hang out with one, five, 10, 50, 200 people, if you want to Yeah. today, you have to plan it out. Like if you, if you're even going to do that, it, it, it's like, you have to think about everything that you're doing and everyone you're going to come in, t- in contact with. And am I going to go to this Thanksgiving party? Am I going to No. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like now you have to think twice about everything you do because of this pandemic. So it, it's, it's, it, it it's was insane. crazy. It so- was insane. So you, you ended up getting, you ended up getting furloughed though. When did you, like, what was that journey of that? And I know that your peers probably did as well. Like, how did you guys deal with that? And how did you support one another? All in all, about 40,000 people got furloughed. Um, Out of those 40,000 people, thousands, I mean, most people that got furloughed um, had it worse than I did. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. I have, you know, a, a healthy savings that I've been able to, you know, to just put aside my friends who had it, who just had a kid on their way, who had just gotten into a house because it's like, yeah, you got to think of it this way. When you get on with a major, you're good. You're set. If there's any time you're going to get into a house, now's the time. So, I was in denial about it, about the whole thing. I was like, there's no, we're going to get furloughed. I was like, we're going to be fine. And that is a defense mechanism that you, that you have because you're already in a state of shock because of COVID-19 and what it's done to your environment, your surroundings and your professional career. So just the thought that now after everything that you've worked for, and you've got into like the Oscars right before you are told and the winner for best director, somebody just pulls you and says, get out the door. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, it was all a dream. <laughs> it wasn't real. You know? Yeah. So the that's the feeling. And so, so you're in denial about it. So yeah, there were talks about, you know, people getting furloughed, but I didn't believe it. And then before I knew it, it happened. And I was like, all right, I know they announced that we're going to get furloughed in a month, but there's no way the government is going to allow 30,000 essential workers to, to be furloughed. I mean, there's no way. Oh yeah. They allowed it. They allowed it. They, they, 
they allowed it. And, and, you know, people lost their health insurance, people lost their houses, people went back to, to, you know, $250 a week unemployment. Mm-hmm. What a roller coaster! It's crazy. So it's how, insane. how have you guys, I mean, I know, you know, other pilots as well. How have you guys yeah. supported one another? Um, we have support groups on Facebook, um, yeah. where the pilots that have been furloughed, um, they all kind of talk to each other and yeah. we, we, we share, um, it's, it's, we mostly talk about how we're engaging our union to maybe, uh, do something, you know, engaging them, like do something like furlough mitigation strategies and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you know, the union can only do so much because it's the company that decides to furlough. Um, if anyone ever hears about an aviation job here or there, um, they share it. Like, let's say somebody that lives in, uh, I don't know, New York has a, has a friend in Phoenix who's looking for a captain for a little small jet. Well, the guy lives in New York. He can't take the job. So he posted, Hey, I have a friend. If you live in Phoenix, here's a job like that's how we basically help each other out but it's the fact that everyone's on the same on the same boat and and you know we just all talk to each other but the reality has not changed there is no stimulus package there is no uh airline stimulus there is uh, nobody knows what's going to happen so for now you have 30 40,000 and and every month it increases because they're they're following oh in stages you have all these people that have basically put themselves at risk because when you, when you're a flight attendant, especially, and you're, you're, you're flying, you know, three flights a day, 200 people, that's 600 people you get in touch, you you get, you you get in contact with, and that's increasing your risks. Same thing with pilots, you know, we're, we're, we're frontline workers and, um, and yeah, we are out of a job. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But I do know that, Oh my gosh, once this is over, you're going to get a job again. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Oh, you will. I hope so. It's going to happen um, because I mean, yeah. I'm already like, okay, where can I travel to? You know, like I'm already like thinking like maybe I'll just spend like 6 months just traveling around the world. Like, you know, like because when you do, when you lose something that you had that was so easy, yeah. all of a sudden you, you know, you you can't wait till you get it back. So I am a hundred percent sure that once things start opening again, it'll take some time, but you're going to, you know, you already have that training. You're, you're right. And you're right. Travel is education. Travel mm-hmm. is what fills our souls with meaningful things. Um, you can be quarantined at home, reading a book that's going to take you somewhere, but it does not, compare to going to, you know, a far, far away land that is the complete opposite of what your environment is and getting to hang out with the people, trying the food, seeing the sights. And that's something that we took for granted before. And people have a thirst for being explorers, for being, uh, you know, essentially children of of the world that gets it's their adventure it's it's our playground you know you you call vegas a playground i call the world a playground you know it's it's almost like before 
all we had to do was spin a globe, point the finger, and hey, if we wanted to go there, that was our right. That was our freedom. I just had to go and, and, and renew my Swedish passport so that I could go home to Sweden to see my family because my, my freedom passport is no good anymore over there um, because of, of they're not letting anybody that's, that's from the U.S. travel into Europe. Yeah. So, you know, our world has changed and it has changed so much. And the people that are, are thirsty for uh, to getting back into it and getting back and traveling and experiencing all these things, I honestly... They'll be back, but I don't know if it's going to be at least a good couple of years before things go back to pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah. And, and the airlines are going to suffer because of that. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though, because everybody that I've talked to who are travelers, you know, I've talked to quite a few. They are just itching for like yeah. that opening. Talking about your places that you've traveled. What are yeah. your favorite places that you've traveled to since you've traveled quite a bit? I'm sure. Cambodia was probably one of the coolest places um, that I went through that I went to, um, you know, from, from, from watching the approach um, into uh seam reap to uh, you know, the hotel that I stayed at and, and just the service and the quality of food that that I was served and and the fact that I paid 60 bucks a night for this amazing suite and I had my own butler <laughs> who gave me a cell phone to call him 24/7 and I was like what is going on <laughs> and then um you know and just where did you stay to, you know what I it it was the lotus something is it in Shamreep? Lotus Blanc? Yeah. Yeah. Lotus yeah. Blanc. Yes, that's it. You fancy. You think. 60 <laughs> yeah. bucks a night. It's now 50 bucks, bucks a night. A night. Oh. It's now 50 bucks a night. Just to let you know. COVID-19, baby. COVID-19. Special. <laughs> $44 um, a night. <laughs> it was insane. Um, that's amazing. I mean, it, was, it was insane. I mean, it, you... You, it was 50 bucks for, uh, you know, six hour, a six hour spa day where you would get pampered all across the board. They would bring you drinks. They would, they would, uh, you know, massage you, you go into a sauna, a steam room. They would do the the, the whole, you know, they, they would do the facial. They would wrap you in this bamboo leaf with like stuff in the, the hotel and yeah. in their spa. In their spa. Wow. Yeah. So you, so yeah. you just chilled out in the hotel. Yeah. So I spent the whole day and, uh, I'm going to butcher this, but, uh, Ang- Angor, Angor, what? Angor, yeah. what? Angor, what? Yes. Forgive me. Maybe you can just like delete my voiceover and, and, and do it like in, in a native language. Um, yeah. So I went to the, to the temples of Angor, what? Is that how you say it? How do you say it? Angkor Wat. Angkor Wat. Angkor Wat. Thank you. Visiting, you know, these temples, uh, meeting with the monks, seeing the culture, seeing and listening to the history um, and how, you know, the further east you get, you realize that uh, even though Christianity is present, there is a higher, there's a higher importance, so to speak, towards spiritualism, which is something that you know, uh, I have my own relationship with, uh, you know, 
whoever the, the person is upstairs, but I do consider myself more of a, of a spiritualist, so to speak, if that's even a word, because I do believe that whatever energy you put out in the universe, the universe gives back to you. Uh, some people call it karma. I, I, I don't know, but I learn a lot about uh, their way of, of thinking, their way of, of, of living. Um, the fact that they are happy people that live off of $60 a month, you know? So it's almost like, what is the value of a dollar for a guy like me who compared to them has it all and still finds ways to complain about stuff. And these guys are living off of, you know, $60 a month, which is the average salary over there. So, um, you know, experiencing that, and it brought me back to my knees because I, it made me appreciate what I have so much more. And I think that's, that's what, what we want, what we try to find when we, when we travel. It's, it's looking at us, who we are, where we come from, and experiencing how other human beings live and how different they live from the way that we live and being able to appreciate the fact that we are so small and the world is just huge. And, and it's like traveling is, it's the best medicine out there. You know, it, it's, it, it rejuvenates you. It awakens your soul. It, it makes you feel like you're doing something. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it makes you feel like, I'm out of my shell. This is why we live. This is why we're here. It's to figure out who we are, where we come from, and put a perspective and a spin into that, you know? So in all of your travels, yeah, who is the most meaningful person that you met? When I went to Vietnam, I went to Ho Chi Minh, old Saigon City, um, Ho Chi Minh City. And um, I was fortunate enough to be able to hire a a guide that mm -hmm. it was a one-on-one -on -one thing. So um, it was, he had his, his, his car and he picked me up and he was my personal guide. So he took me to all these places and, uh, and, and he was very, very knowledgeable in you know, in, in the history of his country and the history of his people and their culture. And it was just cool to be able to, to immediately connect with somebody as if we had known each other from before, even though we came from two completely different, uh, uh, different cultures and um it's funny that's what Sam. happens yeah it yeah. happens all the time with guides it's yeah. yeah time and time and again it's like you meet these people and you can really connect with them especially when you're on one-on-one -on -one with them especially when you're on one-on-one -on -one because i'm an explorer not just i consider myself not just an explorer of the world but an explorer of of just i love getting to know different people like i love hearing your story. I love, Hey, I like, tell me about how, like, what was the coolest thing you did when you were a kid? And, and, and you'd be amazed at how different the responses are depending on, on, on where they're from and, and the humility that comes with it. And what somebody thinks is, is, you know, the second coming of Christ versus what you think that is. And, and it just humbles you so much because these are people that are so freaking amazing. 
in every sense of the word, because you see in the United States, we're very selfish. We're very materialistic. I, I guess a lot of people try to value their worth based on the car they drive or, or how big their house is or how much money they make. Whereas over there, it's based on happiness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just such a simple, simple concept. You know, it's like, like at the end of the day, are you happy? I mean, that's, that's the big universal question that, that everyone should ask themselves. Like, are you genuinely happy? And Sam was like, he was, he just had so much energy. And like, he was telling me about his six kids, about his wife, who he was making fun of the whole time. Uh, cause I, I guess he was just, it's just a jokester. And, um, he told me about the educational system and, you know, his kids going to school and, and his goals and his aspirations. And, you know, how he wants to start his own tour company because he was sent by uh, an, a boss to pick me up from a bigger, giant, well-respected, you know, five-star trip advisor, uh, you know, company. And, and he was an employee there. His goal, his dream was to buy his own bus and, and, and have his own company and, and, and him have the, the honor of whenever he gets a five-star rating, he can say, I did that, you know, that, uh, that was me. And yeah, it was just like, I spent a whole day with this guy, took me to the local places to eat. And he told me about culture and the history. And it was like, I was like, I just don't want this day to end. I just, I want to, I want to, put this guy in my pocket and take him back to the States. And I just want to be <laughs> friends with this guy forever. So, uh, yeah, that was Sam and Sam and Ho Chi Minh city. I love that. Uh, was, was awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or most fulfilling moment during your travels as a pilot or as a traveler? As a pilot, I want to say that, you know, I do take pride in knowing that whenever I'm flying from point A to point B, I'm, I'm taking you to a wedding, you know, I'm, I'm taking you, I'm taking you to a job interview. I'm taking you to a high school reunion. I, I'm taking you places. I'm, I'm, I am a small part of your life every time I fly and I am there to serve a purpose, which is no different from what a bus driver does. It's no different from what a uh, Uber driver does. I mean, it, it's the same thing. It's the fact that we get to serve somebody else's purpose for a slither of time. Um, it can even be a funeral, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. The, the unspoken rewards that come out of knowing that you were part of someone's journey. And I think that to me personally is, is rewarding. That's pretty yeah. amazing. I actually never thought yeah. of it that way. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. What is your advice to an aspiring pilot, especially right now? Right. Um, the pilot shortage has not gone away. I mean, it's not, it, it has just come to a screeching halt right now. But, um, things will get better and things we will get out of this. It's, it's just a matter, again, I, I always say this, it's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. And, and I said this, I gave you the same line when I was talking about success. Um, I say, go for it. You know, um, being a pilot, becoming a pilot is not by any means easy. It's not cheap. It's not, it does not come with, you don't become a pilot for the money. Let's just say that you don't, you don't become a, a pilot to become rich. 
because in the beginning, you don't make, you make no money. I mean, I went from making a really, really good amount of money working in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles to having to move to, to Las Vegas with my wife because we couldn't afford Los Angeles anymore because I was making, you know, 22 bucks an hour as a first officer, you know, flying an airliner. Granted, and by the way, 22 bucks an hour may sound like a lot, but it's not a lot when a pilot's salary is 75 hours a month, right? Because we have a limit. It's not like we get paid 40 hours a week. We get paid 75 hours a month. Right. And um, uh, Los Angeles yeah. is really expensive, FYI, oh, hey, to those who are our, not. Our two-bedroom apartment in, in San Gabriel was like 1850 and I was netting 1600 bucks a month in my hand from flying <laughs> people. Like, you know, so it, it's, it's, you don't make that much money in the beginning. Uh, it takes a good amount of time to make, to make good money. So, um, but we do it because we're passionate. We do it because we love the fact that we don't take work home with us. Um, we don't, we're not fans of the nine to five. There's nothing wrong with nine to five. We're, I'm just not a big fan of it. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of working in an office. I, I just like it. I feel like every single day that I go out there, that day has to be different from the previous one. You get in the cockpit, you close the door, you don't have a boss. You don't, you, you just, you show up, you do your job, you're done. You, Look at beautiful scenery. You you do a challenging flight. Um, you keep the passengers safe, and there's always a rewarding feeling when you're landing that airplane. And you were able to take Drea from Los Angeles to New York safe and sound. I mean, it's it's that's really it sounds simple, but it's very rewarding. So I want to say, yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, did it's I not answer your simple. question? You did. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's not simple. <laughs> like it's I mean, very complicated. <laughs> so it's, it's rewarding because it's a difficult job. It's challenging, and and it's you know it's pretty incredible what you what you're able it's to a, do. You know? It's a sum of all of your experiences from the previous years. When you when you go and you do a photo shoot, okay. And you're doing a photo shoot that ends up in a magazine or in an article, or you're shooting, you know, a, a somebody that's famous that's expecting a specific quality of work. You show up, you survey the scene, and you know exactly where to put the lights. You know exactly where to put the tripod. You turn your camera on. You know what ISO you're going to use. You know what the f stop is. You know what the lens is going to be. Am I going to shoot? A, am I going to use a fast lens? Am I going to use a 35? Am I going to use a, a zoom lens? You already know, but it took you 10 years to figure out knowing where you're going to set the light and where you're going to put the camera, what you what your environment was going to be. You get to the shoot, you're doing it in 15, 20 minutes. It is 10 years of experience that allows you to make it look easy. So to me, it's easy. In the same way that to you, you can do it with your eyes closed. To other people, it looks, how did she come up with that image? How did she did, how did she, oh man, like the way she did that edit on Photoshop, man, like Photoshop is like 103,000 different sliders. How did she get that look? I was like, I don't know how to do it. You do it with your eyes closed because of your experience.
and you deliver the product and it's like the 10,000 hour rule, you know, you mastered it. So to you, it's easy to me, it's easy, but it's not, I guess not, but it feels like it is. Okay. Funny question. Sure. Can be funny. What is the one interesting item you take with you when you travel? Not the obvious, like passport or cell phone or something that you purchase. A good freaking backpack. A backpack that allows me to compress three giant things into just one tiny little thing. <laughs> when I went to, on my 10-day trip to Asia, I took one backpack with me. And I figured out a way to, to, to turn that backpack into my home. And that comes with packing skills where... I obviously have a little bit of experience that being a pilot and being out on trips, but um, it, it's, it's just, you know, it's a combination of all the things that are, that, that you hold dear to you, whether it's a passport, you know, an iPad, um, an amulet, uh, something that you've, you always take with your travels and, and knowing that you have an extension of yourself in your back as you travel from point A to B. Which backpack um, though? What's the backpack that you took with you? So I um, have a backpack. It's called the Nomadic. Uh, oh. It's 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 called the 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 yeah the brand is Nomadic, and uh, it's just called the backpack. The and, backpack um, by the Nomadic. Backpack. Yes, and um, it you fits love it. Your entire life in there. It has pockets. It has hidden pockets. It has uh, <laughs> chip safe pockets. You can fit. Yeah, you, you you could fit an entire Hollywood production inside that that, that that backpack. You get you can carry it on your back. You can carry it like this. And um, yeah, I, I I'm sorry, but I, it's just like I just love I, I love traveling light. I love the idea of having everything that I require right here in my back. Worst case scenario, I have it all with me. So, back. I love it. Okay, we're almost to the end. Is there a piece of life advice can, that you can give to a younger you? A piece of life advice you can give to a younger you? Learn how to listen to other people. Just stop talking so much, kind of like I did in this interview. And learn to listen and listen well, because along my journey, I wish I would have listened more um, and not thought that I had it all figured out. Um, there is acuteness to the, to the uh, naivete of certain things about people where a line has to be drawn where, hey, now you're just being too cocky and now you're just being a dick. Look, this person is trying to help you out. They're trying to give you a different perspective on life because maybe they have been where you were 10 years ago. Matthew McConaughey, he said something. He said, some, somebody came up to him and said, hey, so who's your hero? And he said, my hero is me 10 years from now. <sighs> and 10 years pass. And then he gets asked the question again, Hey, who's your hero? No, I haven't become my hero yet because my 
current hero is me 10 years again from now. And, and it's, it's the fact that there's always room to improve. Unfortunately, most people only see that as hindsight being 2020. So listen to the people that care about you. Uh, don't be selfish. Don't be, don't think you have it all figured out and believe in the goodness of people and believe in the fact that, uh, sometimes people will tell you things you don't want to hear because they care about you. And, uh, it's, it's hard to, to say, all right. Yeah. You're 100% right. When you're, you're in a, in a, in a heated moment, but it, it pays off in the end. And I think that I don't think if, if I would have heeded to the advice of some people I came to respect, if I would have done that, um, I don't think my life would have been any different from what it is today, but I think that I would have struggled less if I would have just listened more and talked less. Last question. All right. Where can we find you? I have a, an Instagram, just like everyone else, I guess. Um, it's uh, at California Pilot. I do have to do a, a, a shameless plug for a new... My, yeah, my I was new about to fil- ask you. My new, my new, I'm a furloughed airline pilot and I, I do happen to have a, a few uh, tricks up my sleeve. I am launching a website uh, called Bit Nostalgic. It's it's spelled bit nostalgic, right? Like B I T and nostalgic. Bit like a you know like eight bit Nintendo or like yes. the bit you know the 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 bit of a you know the old computers like it was like eight bit sixteen bit thirty two yep. bit, but it's also a bit nostalgic. So basically, got in touch with a bunch of independent artists from all over the world who are known for creating all these illustrations that make you feel nostalgic about your childhood, movies, TVs, video games. And I've, I've licensed their stuff to put on t-shirts, to put on, uh, you know, cell phone cases, to put on posters. And it's all themed 80s and 90s. I'm basically creating this huge web shop. So, like, if you were big fans of, like, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, E.T., uh, The Goonies, um, derivatives of inspired stuff from all those movies into artwork. So, we are actually supporting independent artists that want to get their artwork out there because now they can make money from it. And we're spending a lot of money in advertising to get these products out there. So they're getting their royalty checks. I'm, I'm making a little bit of money uh, while I'm furloughed and, uh, and, and I'm just spreading the, the, the the good old nostalgic love. Awesome. So it's bitnostalgic.com. And if you want to find Ruben at California pilot on Instagram, I'm very, very grateful for your time. Thank you for sharing your story with everybody. And thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time. Stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, And follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.